Welcome to the third annual virtual aquaponic cannabis conference. Please support these companies. They took the time to educate us during this conference. Uh, perfect. Okay. Perfect. So sorry about that, everybody. Um, so uh, my name is Danielle Maitland. I'm the director of science and cultivation technology at Aqualitas Inc. And I am also a PhD student at uh, uh, Dalhousie University. Um, and I'm going to talk to you a few, about a few different things today. So I'm going to talk about, uh, the literature review project I worked on last year, uh, how I did this literature search, how the spreadsheet, uh, turned out some recommended uses and some cautions when using it. I believe that, uh, Potent Ponics there is going to pop that, the link for that spreadsheet up, uh, in the chat. Um, and if not, I can try and put it in later. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about some analysis I did on that spreadsheet and talk about uh, methodological reporting in aquaponics literature, um, specifically, you know, how it was assessed, how the different inputs were reported, you know, who's using what in the literature and uh, why it matters that you report what you're using when you're doing a kind of a scientific study. I'm going to talk very briefly about the uh, some of the research I've been working on for my PhD, which is developing an aquaponics fish feed. Um, I wouldn't have had this ready if the conference had happened in the fall, but you gave me enough time to do a little bit of data analysis, so I have that now. And then I'm going to do my uh, my plug for Aqualitas and Reef Organic there at the end, and then any questions I'm happy to uh, happy to answer. So why did I go about making a big spreadsheet? So um, for my PhD project, I was focusing on developing an aquaponic fish feed. Uh, and so I figured I'd go through all the literature and I collect data on what other people were using in literature because there weren't really too many articles about improving plant growth by changing the, the diet of your fish. So I figured I'd just go through all the articles and I'd collect all this information about, you know, the type of feed they were using, where they were getting it, how much protein was in it, how much salt was in it. Um, and I'd try and, and analyze that data set and get some, something useful out of it. Um, and so that was going to be for my comprehensive exam. And then as I started filling out the spreadsheet, I was like, oh, well, you know, you, you, I sh should put in the title of the paper and the authors and the year it was published. And I should also put in how big the system was and what kind of fish they were using. And so it, the spreadsheet just kept ballooning and ballooning and ballooning. Um, and eventually I ended up with about 350 publications. And I was uh, pulling data from each of those publications on about 60 different, 68 different parameters. Um, so I did pass my comprehensive exam, which is great. Uh, and I've written one review paper based on this data set, uh, which I'm going to talk about. That's the, the inputs reporting that I talk about later. Um, and so I decided to share the, the tool, uh, the, the literature review tool, just as a hopefully a useful thing for the aquaponics community if they're looking to, to get more information about the published articles that are out there. So uh, I did the review on May 7th. 2021 so anything published after that isn't in the spreadsheet yet um and basically i went on web of science i typed in aquaponic and aquaponics and that gave me 297 results so i downloaded all those papers and then as i was reading through them if they referenced something that i hadn't downloaded already uh i downloaded that reference as well and included it in the spreadsheet uh if something was behind a paywall i didn't include it because i I couldn't get it, but uh, I ended up with 359 publications, and that includes 
pa uh, review papers, uh, experimental articles, extension publications, all sorts of uh, all sorts of published work on aquaponics. So the the recommended uses for this uh, spreadsheet, which I'll show you, I'll go through it just a little bit in a minute, and hopefully don't get any more technical difficulties. Uh, is uh, it's first, it's it's good for literature search if you want to see what every what what's been published about koi and aquaponics or cannabis and aquaponics. You can search the fish tab or the plant tab, and it'll kind of give you a list of articles you can look up if you are interested in that plant species or that fish species. If you want a list of review articles, we can do that. Um, it's good to compare results from literature to your system. If you can find a system in there that is similar to yours, maybe growing the same types of plants, the same types of fish, uh, and winning arguments with your friends and colleagues is, is always fun. Uh, I would advise against using the, the sheet for any math as is. Uh, so don't you know go in and say the average pH of an aquaponic system is, and then try and average that, that pH tab it is. Some of it is is numbers, but some of it is also ranges. If that was what was provided in the article, so it uh, it will mess with Excel if you try and try and do math on on cells like that. Um, so if you have any questions, if you are confused by an entry or if I got something wrong, because I'm almost definitely did get something wrong, uh, you can send me an email. I have that a little later in the presentation. Um, so I'm going to try and share. The literature review should spreadsheet here now. Is that coming through okay? Yeah, sure. So, so this is the spreadsheet. It uh, it goes in reverse chronological order. So it starts up here in 2021 and it goes all the way down um, to 1977 and 1978, which is the two first articles that were published about aquaponics. Um, those were recirculating aquaculture people who were looking to add an extra biofilter so they could circulate their water for longer because the, the nitrogen was getting taken out of the water by the plants. So um, anything that's grayed out is a review article. Um, and uh, so obviously those generally don't have systems involved, so they don't have any system parameters. But if you just scroll along, uh, the publication, the authors, any associations of the authors, where the article or the research was done, what type of aquatic animal was used. So um, that's probably going to be anyway. So you can you can you can filter these um, these columns and get you know a list of of articles that are just experimental or just review articles or just use koi, just use cannabis, just use, uh, you know, NFT or DWC or media based. Um, you can, so you can sort each of these, you can sort by light type, you can sort um, by environment. Uh, and then I just go through the, you know, different spacings, uh, pH, temperature of the fish tank, uh, all the food factors, which is what the, the spreadsheet was originally about, was all the, you know, protein, fat content, fiber content in the fish feed. Uh, I have a section on inlet water parameters and then ammonia, nitrate, and nitrite and phosphate if they're reported. And then a quick line there at the end about, you know, the, the conclusions that the, the author came to in the paper. Uh, so hopefully it's useful. Uh, hopefully we get, uh, you know, People can can use it to to search and, and find things that are useful for them. Uh, that's the intent behind it anyway. 
Uh, and let's go back to the PowerPoint. So um, once you have this, what do you do with it? Um, it's hopefully this is not showing you presenter view because it's looking different to me. But regardless, I don't think I have many notes. Uh, so uh, you can access the data through the Aquaponics Association site. Um, and hopefully there will be a link provided in the chat. Uh, I am going to try to update it yearly. Um, if uh, if that doesn't work out, uh, we'll know. It, it originally I had it written down that it was uh, that it was going to be shared uh, monthly, and then it was quarterly, and now I have it. I'm going to try and update it yearly. So um, I'm I'm trying to to temper expectations with the yearly. Uh, I do have all the next up to the end of 2022 all the articles downloaded. I just have to go through them and add them to the spreadsheet. It's fairly time intensive. Um, so I haven't done that yet. Um, and I will keep an archive of a previous version. So if you're looking for a previous version down the line in a few years, I can send that to you. That's the email address that you can contact me at if anything is wrong or needs to be updated. Uh, go ahead. So what do you do with the giant spreadsheet? So what I did was I narrowed it down and I did a lot of analysis on it. So I narrowed it down to uh, articles that had physical systems and they had to include fish and plants. So of those 359 publications, 231 had a, you know fish in a tank connected to plants that they were growing. Um, and I wanted to analyze uh, this, this data set to see how often were people specifying what they were using for inputs when they were doing these research projects. Were they saying which fish feed they were using what makeup water they were using, what buffer they were using, and what type of light they were using. And I did look at fish and plants a little bit, but that, those were very well reported. So what input was used and how much of it were they using were the questions I was looking at. And so for plants and fish, they were very well reported. Um, I, so I didn't really thoroughly analyze these as much, but generally speaking, 100% of the articles specified what fish they were using and 99% of the articles specified what plants they were using. Uh, tilapia uh, was the most common uh, in the literature, followed by carp, followed by catfish, followed by ornamentals. Uh, there was no salmon in the literature. There was also no sunfish or no and no bluegill, which are commercial species. If you look at uh, at some of the surveys of aquaponics practitioners, those are things that people are growing commercially, but they don't show up in the literature. Um, for plant species. Uh, about 45% of the article said what plant species they were using in the title of the article. Uh, and the most common were lettuce, followed by tomatoes, followed by basil. Uh, there's only, there's very little cannabis, unfortunately, in the published literature so far. Uh, just 1.3%, I think it's two articles. Um, and 40% of those articles had more than one plant species in, in the article. So I didn't assess if they were specifying where they were getting these plants or how much of these plants they were putting in, uh, but I did look at that for the, or, or fish as well, but I did look at that for the other uh, inputs. So for makeup water, I wanted the article to, to 
consider or to say that they specified it, I want I just wanted to say where they were getting it from. Was it rainwater? Was it well water? Was it municipal water? Uh, and then for the amount used, I wanted to know either the amount of makeup water they used over the course of the study, uh, or every day, the like you know percent per makeup water per day, some kind of estimation of that. For buffer for pH control, I wanted to know what type of it. Uh, agent was used or if they didn't need to use one. Um, and then for the amount, uh, either the pH range they were trying to target or the amount in grams that they were using either per day or over the course of the study. Uh, for lighting, I wanted to know the type of light. So was it just sunlight or was it sunlight plus supplemental lighting or was it just supplemental lighting? And for the amount used for sunlight, uh, if they stated the dates of the study and where they were, uh, that's enough to figure out, you know, photo period and light, light intensity, uh, or specifically stating light intensity and the dates or the photo period would be considered enough information, at least for this this uh, analysis. And then for artificial lighting, uh, the photo period and light intensity are are optimal, but if the, they provided the photo period, the type of lighting they were using, and the wattage of that light, uh, I accepted that as well. And then if they were using both sunlight and artificial lighting, I wanted them to provide details on both types of light. And then for fish feed, it was the brand name or the source of the feed. So, you know, it was Purina, Purina Aquamax or it was a self-formulated feed. And then for amount, it was either uh, body weight percent per day or the total amount used of the experiment. Just a, an estimation of how much food was being or a reporting of how much food was being put into the system. So when I looked at these 231 articles uh, for the makeup water, and that's the water that's usually uh, initially used to fill the system, to replace water that's lost to transpiration, to evaporation, to harvests, you have leaks, you have solids removal, and then you have spillage. So that the makeup water generally in, in literature ranged around 5% per day, um, but there are no published articles in the literature before 2021 that I found that uh, specifically looked at the impact of, of makeup water on system performance, which is unfortunate, but uh, the common sources were municipal and tap water, well and groundwater, surface water, rainwater, and distilled reverse osmosis or deionized water. Um, of the 231 uh, articles, 91 said what water source they were using, um, so about 40% of the articles. And only 46 of those specified how much of makeup water they were using. And fewer than 8% of all the articles reported the pH, electrical conductivity, or temperature of the makeup water they were using. Uh, for the most part, uh, these the researchers were using municipal and groundwater. A little bit of uh, RO or distilled water for the, 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 the articles that were focused on nutrient flows and they didn't want to be introducing any new nutrients through their makeup water, uh, a little bit of rainwater and a little bit of surface water. Uh, when you look at the buffer used, this is required to counteract the, the pH drop as your biofilter converts ammonia to nitrate. It's not always required. So if you have a really, really high alkalinity makeup water, or if you're using a meat grow medium that can act as a buffer, or if your your study is just a really short duration, you might not need to use a buffer to control pH. Uh, but generally it is needed. And there is one article that's been published that looks at the impact of buffer on system operation. That's from Wilson Leonard and was published in, in 2020. And uh, he did find a difference, like there was improved plant growth with um, specific types of buffers. So it does have an impact on, on your system performance, what type of buffer you're using. Um, 
82 of the 231 articles specified what buffer they were using uh, or if they weren't using a buffer. And of those, 76 specified what tar their target pH range was or how much buffer they were using. Um, for light, uh, I was looking at sunlight only, sunlight plus supplemental lighting or artificial lighting only. Uh, three articles uh, have been published on the impact of lighting. Um, they're listed there. Uh, and of the 231, 197 specified a light source, which is 85%, which is pretty good. Um, and of those 197, 123 specified the amount. Uh, with only about a quarter saying using like a, a light meter to give an actual measurement. But a lot of them did provide the dates and the location of the study. Uh, the majority of articles were looking at sunlight only as the lighting. 75% were just greenhouses or outdoors with no supplemental lighting. Uh, about 13% used sunlight and supplemental lighting. Uh, most of that was HPS in the literature, followed by LED and metal halide. And then only 12% of articles were looking at artificial only lighting. Uh, and for that, the most common was fluorescent, followed by LED, followed by metal halide, followed by HPS. For fish feed, depending who you talk to, uh, 50 to 80% of the nutrients for plant growth should be coming from the waste nutrients from aquatic animal production. So the fish feed should be your major nutrient source in aquaponics. And there are eight different articles looking at uh, changing the feed parameters around a little to try and improve uh, plant growth or fish growth. Um, but they did have some limited statistically significant results. Um, of the 231 articles, 112 specified where they got their feed from. Uh, 42 articles just said they were using a commercial feed without providing any other details. Um, and 78 of those uh, articles specified the amount. So about a third of articles are saying where they're getting their fish feed and how much fish feed they're using for aquaponics articles. Uh, of the ones that specified a feed source, Mostly everyone was using commercially available complete pelleted feeds. Uh, There's a few people who reported using homemade feeds, um, some using flakes and wafers, some were growing using bioflock. There was one article that was using dried honeybee larvae and one that was feeding live tilapia. Um, so of the, the secondary characteristics of the feed, about 64% of articles reported how much protein was in their feed. Uh, 63 reported the feeding frequency, so were they feeding once a day, twice a day, three times a day? Um, and then it dropped off from there with fewer articles reporting the fat content or the fiber content. Um, and only about one in five articles reported the amount of phosphorus they were using, uh, or that there was present in their fish feed. So overall, um, the uh, the, the graph on the left is the, the number of input sources that were specified. Uh, so there's four inputs, fish feed, buffer, light, and um, makeup water. And so only 13% of articles uh, specified all four inputs. And then when you look at the inputs and amounts, only 5.6% of all the articles surveyed reported both uh, the input they were using and how much of each inputs input they were using. Um, so this is just by uh, input. Um, and again, you see a bit of a drop for each one from when they still some more articles specify what they're using than how much they're using. Um, so what does that matter? Um, so overall, about 
85% did not report two or more sources for their, for their study, and 82% didn't report the sources and amounts of two or more of the, their inputs. Um, and so that means that the minimum standards I set up at the, the start of the presentation weren't met for makeup water 80% of the time, buffer and fish feed for about two-thirds of the time, and lighting for about 50% of the time. Uh, and this isn't the first time there have been issues noticed with the aquaponics literature. Uh, Wilson Leonard put a publication out in 2020 looked and found that about 61% of the articles that, that he surveyed applied no or incorrect statistical analysis. And there was a more recent uh, publication by Colt in 2021 that found that about 72% of the articles surveyed didn't sufficiently report the engineering or design aspects. So if the literature doesn't include these information in the articles, it it's, makes it really difficult to build upon the work. You can't, you know, replicate a study or, or, you know, continue a study on if you don't have enough information on what's being used, how much is being used, uh, and, you know, how these studies are being designed. Um, and now a lot of people don't really try to replicate studies. There were no studies that I saw in the literature review spreadsheet that were direct replications. But if you, you know, if commercial uh, producers want to use these studies, they need to know how generalizable the study is to them, how similar is the system that was being studied um, to their system. So uh, for makeup water, because there aren't any studies out there on the impact of makeup water, it's really hard to tell what, you know, do you get better yield if you're using well water or if you're using municipal water? Is this study that uses municipal water applicable to my grow that's using well water. Um, and if you if the, the the study provided all the details on the water, you might be able to make an assessment how close it is it to your water, what might the differences be, but if that information isn't provided, it can't be used. Um, and there and when it comes to the buffer, there have has been at least one study showing that it can have an impact. So it is important which which buffer is being used. Um, you know, you might have two two articles. One says that you need to supplement potassium in aquaponics, and one says that you don't. But the one that that says you don't is using potassium bicarbonate as their buffer. But they never mention that in their you know materials and methods section. So it's 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 hard to draw conclusions. It's hard to take that information and apply it in a useful way uh, to your system, your study, your commercial operation if it's not provided in the literature. Um, Lighting was pretty well reported, at least the type of light that was used was pretty well reported, uh, but lighting can have a really big impact on operational costs and yields and, you know, starting costs uh, if you have to buy all these lights. Um, so it is important to be able to, to have that information if you want to use your, use the literature that's out there to inform your, your decisions. Um, and in terms of fish feed, Results from the studies have been mixed. There's not a lot of information out there on whether the fish feed use has a huge impact on plant growth. There is a lot of literature in the aquaculture generally that, that says that you can improve fish feed or you can improve, improve fish growth with improved feed. Um, but in terms of the impact on the plants, it is the, the literature so far is, is, is fairly mixed. Um, but feed characteristics in the literature and in generally they vary really widely. You can get a, a, a low protein feed, um, you know, that's, that's 
that's 20% protein all the way up to a, a carnivore feed that's 65% protein. Um, so it's not like you can go into a, a research article that doesn't state what type of protein or what type of fish feed they're using and make an assumption because there's such a wide variety available that you can't really do that. And this becomes an issue when trying to, you know, design systems or or model systems because the protein content of the fish feed and the phosphorus content of the fish feed are really critical for sizing your systems and um, for for sizing your biofilter, for sizing your solids removal, for, si for sizing, um, you know, how much phosphorus are you going to have in your water to be available for plants. So it is important to include this information whenever possible. Um, I'm working on a slightly prettier version of this to hopefully post, but generally speaking, for makeup water, state where your source is. Um, if it's a, from a municipality, provide the location. If it's a well, is it a, what type of well is it? Is it drilled or is it dug? Um, and where is it from? Uh, and then if you're using RO or distilled water, what machine did you use or where did you get it from? And then just the total amount of used either over the course of the study or per day. Similar for buffer, what are you using? If you're not using it, say why. If you are using it, say where you got it from and what the chemical formula is. And then for the amount used, ideally you'd say, you know, this many grams per day or this many grams total, and then include the, the pH range you were aiming for when you were adding your buffer. Uh, for lighting type, again, type of light, uh, sunlight and or artificial. Uh, and if you're using artificial, what type of light is it? What is the water to the bulb? Where did you get it from? For uh, lighting intensity, again, photo period and intensity. Um, are are the the main main ones, and they vary differently for very can vary slightly for for sunlight or artificial, but that's the main point. How much light are how what intensity of light are get they getting in for how many hours a day are the plants seeing that light? And for fish feed, the manufacturer brand name and source of the feed, uh, and then if it has us uh, if that if that brand name of feed is available in a variety of pellet sizes, say which pellet size you were using. Uh, and then for the total amount, you can say percent per day, percent body weight per day, or grams per day of fish feed, and then how frequently were you feeding them. If any food is being removed, you should also include that in there as well, because that'll affect the nutrient content. Uh, and then in a perfect world, everyone would have infinite funding and they'd be able to spend a lot of money on water testing. I know that's not always the case, but including things like uh, the pH and electrical conductivity and temperature of your makeup water is really good. If you're using, especially if you're using well water, testing for the, the nutrients uh, and reporting that is, is important. For example, my well water has more manganese in it than you would ever see in the strongest uh, hydroponic, uh, you know, fertilizers. So that might, if, if I'm growing aquaponically using that water, that could affect other nutrient input or other nutrient uptake by the plants. It's important to include that information. Um, ideally, if you can measure light, if you have a power meter or something that can give you PPFD, if you can measure that a couple times over the course of the experiment and report it, that's great. And for fish feed, uh, if you're buying it commercially, it'll have generally what's called guaranteed minimum analysis. And that'll say the minimum amount of protein in, in your fish feed, uh, phosphorus is often included. Sometimes you'll get sodium. So just report what, what's on the fish bag at least, fish feed bag at least. And if you can get approximate analysis done, I know a lot of agricultural labs will do this. You send them a sample of feed and they'll run it through and they'll tell you, you know, how much prote protein, fat, moisture, ash, and fiber is in there. You can also sometimes add on 
uh, you know, macro elements and micronutrients is, uh, into that testing as well. So this is the new stuff. I've never talked to anybody about this. So this is a, a potent ponics exclusive. Um, for my PhD uh, with Aqualetus, I'm, I'm working on developing uh, an aquaponics specific fish feed. So what we did is we compared a commercial koi feed to two different feeds we designed. And one was designed more thinking about the uh, vegetative growth phase of cannabis, and one was designed looking more at the flowering feed phase of cannabis. And so we tested, we, we made the feeds and we tested them in triplicate. So that's the first data I'll go over. Um, and then we use this contraption here, um, which is, we call it the feed trial unit. Um, and it's a series of tanks, uh, basically a very small scale RAS system. Uh, it has a couple clarifiers, biofilter, heating and chilling and then municipal makeup water uh, to top it up and with this this unit we did uh, three three week nutrient generation trials for each type of food um, and we also did one uh, 12 week feed trial where each we had three tanks each getting uh, a different type of food or three tanks getting each type of food um, so there's nine tanks total and we grew them in the same environment, head to head, just looking at how did the fish grow on each of these, the koi, the koi grow on each of these feeds. And because I just complained about nobody specifying their inputs, for the record, there I used three fish feeds. The nutrient information is going to be on the next slide. I used uh, municipal water that was dechlorinated from from the munis municipality Aquilius is located in, which is Brooklyn. Uh, we were using potassium bicarbonate as a buffer and we didn't have any lights because we didn't have any plants. This, the point of this trial is to look at fish growth and uh, nutrient generation. So getting into the fish feed, um, we had similar protein levels. So the, the different letters, if the letters are different between columns, that means that they are statistically significantly different. So for example, for nitrogen, the uh, commercial feed and the vegetative feed had about the same amount of nitrogen and the flowering feed had more, more protein. Um, phosphorus was different and it in increased significantly um, from the commercial diet to, through the vegetative diet, through the flowering diet. Uh, potassium was, was different and it, it did de decrease a little bit. Potassium is generally not um, very high in fish feed because fish generally don't need a lot of potassium as a nutrient in their diets. Uh, so you'll always see much lower potassium in fish feeds than generally you will see in phosphorus and nitrogen. Um, calcium increased as the phosphorus increased uh, and was significantly different. Not a lot of huge difference in the magnesium levels. Uh, the sodium level in the commercial feed was significantly higher than in the, uh, the feeds that we developed. And fat was fairly low. It was usually for koi, you, wa you want it fairly low because they can, uh, they can get some health issues if there's too much fat in their fish food. So looking at how that translated over, um, we didn't have, uh, so, so this is the average of, of three um, trials. In between each trial, we would completely flush the system, clean the system, uh, take all the solids out, take out uh, all the fish, um, and refill it with fresh municipal water. So we were starting with a fresh slate. And so this is the final concentration of these nutrients minus the initial concentration of these nutrients. Um, and uh, what we found was uh, it seemed there was uh, the only statistical significance was uh, 
that I'm going to talk about today was with the phosphorus and the sodium. The uh, nitrogen or the nitrate in the water did seem to increase uh, with with our foods compared to the commercial foods, but it wasn't statistically significant. There was a little bit too much noise there. Uh, the phosphorus was significant, so there was uh, it, and it lined up. We go right back. It 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 increased with increasing amount of phosphorus in the feed. Um, calcium showed that similar trend, but it wasn't sig statistically significant. Um, and magnesium also showed a similar trend to what was in the feed, but it wasn't significant. And the sodium was significant. So the, the fish feed that we got, the commercial feed we got, had a higher sodium in the feed, and that higher sodium did translate to higher sodium in the water. Um, so uh, another, another interesting thing we found, so uh, the electrical conductivity in the water after three weeks was higher with the two feeds that we designed compared to the commercial feed. Um, it got up around uh, 0 0.6, um, which is a good kind of place to keep your, your system at, depending on who you ask. Um, but it was, and that was significantly different. Um, and then we did the growth trial. So for this growth trial, we used uh, the baby koi, which we had bred on site. So they were about uh, about a year old when we started this. And we started with koi. We, we filled up the nine tanks with uh, koi that were about 16 to 18 grams. Um, and we fed them, the, each tank either only got flowering feed, vegetative feed, or the commercial feed. And after four weeks, we saw statistical significance in the different difference in growth rates. And then we, we grew them all the way through. Generally, for these types of trials, you want to grow them and grow the fish out until they're about three times bigger than they were when you started. So um, we, we did that for, it took us about 12 weeks. And the feed conversion ratio, so that's the amount of food you have to put in. So the grams of food you put in to get a gram of um a gram of weight added to your fish. So for the the flowering feed, they grew really well. Basically, for every gram of fish food we gave them, we grew a gram of fish. Uh, and the vegetative was pretty close to that. At about 1.14 grams of feed would give you a gram of fish. And your the commercial was was lower. So they were growing slower on the commercial fish feed than they were on ours. Um, for the uh, for the babies at least. And this is this is interesting just because say you were looking to grow and we were using koi so look say you're looking to to grow out butterfly koi for to for resale so you want to take them in when they're little grow them up until they're big and sell them you know you buy them for three five dollars a fish and you sell them for twenty dollars a fish um if you're using a feed that they grow faster on then you can turn over your fish faster and that's good from uh from a you know a cost perspective and from uh uh, economics perspective. So um, our koi, you know, they they went from 20 grams to to 80 grams the on our flowering feed in in 12 weeks, which is great. And they this is completely anecdotal, not scientific at all. No error bars. They they liked our feed better. They liked the fish. They they really really liked the flowering feed, and they they liked the vegetative feed quite a bit, but definitely more than the commercial feed. And that was in in both trials. Um, so we're we're always trying to to make our fish happy. So we're we're happy that they we have something they consider a treat now uh, on site. And so, um, just just overarching themes from this: uh, the fish feed can impact you use can impact the nutrient generation in terms of your overall electrical conductivity, and you uh, will see an impact from phosphorus if you're using koi. I'll I'll, I'll 
hedge this a bit. If you're using Koi in a system that has clarifiers instead of a system that removes the solids immediately, you will see um, if there's more phosphorus in your food, you can probably expect to see more phosphorus in your water when you're trying to choose which fish feed is best for you to purchase. Uh, and the same thing can be said for sodium. If you don't want too much sodium buildup in your system, which can cause issues with plants uptaking different nutrients, if you can find a, a feed with which has a lower sodium content, you might be better off. Um, and also, I, I mean, if we had run these trials for longer, we might have gotten to a point where the other nutrients were significant. Um, but this is just a this is just the starting phase. So where we're going from here is we hope to to try all this food in the commercial system and see if that increased phosphorus and that decreased sodium plays out at the commercial level uh, like it did at the in the small scale level with that feed trial unit. And so I'm, I always talk fast. I've only been talking for, for, I don't even know what time it is, but I think I still have some time. So I'm going to keep going unless, unless somebody waves at me to, to slow down or to stop talking that I'm out of time. Um, so I'm going to talk a little bit about Aqualitas. Um, so we are located in the South Shore of Nova Scotia. This is an aerial picture of, of the industrial park that we're in. It's an absolutely lovely view. Um, we get seals in the, the spring and the fall. Uh, in our little harbor here, um, going after the herring. So that's always that's always fun to see when you're on your walk into work from the parking lot. Um, the we won the uh, cannabis cup this year, the Grow Up Cannabis Cup for our Queen's Sangria Flower. That was a pretty big deal. Um, we grow a wide, we produce a wide variety of of skews. We have dried flower, which is uh, which is our the the majority that we sell but we also have pre-rolls um we have vapes we have oils we have uh, rosin and uh, we have our gummies which uh, are definitely um my my favorite product that we make um and in terms of distribution we are in all canadian provinces except currently uh, manitoba and we are in one territory uh, if you are a medical patient we ship to medical patients all over the country. If you're interested in joining our medical platform, you can contact the client care team uh, at aqualitas.ca and they'll walk you through the process if you want to register with us as a medical patient. Canada only, I'm sorry. Um, and uh, this is our social media, um, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Um, and we have different brands. So our medical brand is Aqualitas and that's our at Aqualitas Inc. Our recreational brand is Reef Organic um, and our kind of collaborative brand that we do with micro growers trying to help them bring their product to market is uh, Current um, and that's at, at Current Cannabis. Um, and here's a video that will probably crash PowerPoint. Maybe not. Oh, it worked. And that is a baby koi in an egg. I show this at pretty much every presentation. So if you've seen one of my presentations before, you've probably seen this. You can see his little heart beating and uh, tail and big old eyes. And that was two days after the eggs were fertilized and a day before they hatched because koi do everything rapid fire. Uh, it's much quicker than something like salmon, which takes six weeks from, from fertilization to hatch usually or longer. So are there any questions? Or let me look in chat here. Uh, um, Wes, I think your mic's open.
Um, does anybody have any questions in chat uh, that didn't ask a question already? Um, trying to see if there's any questions. I think a lot of people were just absorbing your uh, your database. Uh, a lot of people were saying it looked pretty great in chat. It's it's a lot of data, um, but it is you know I think uh, hopefully it'll be useful. At least if you're you're a grad student about to start your your master's or your PhD, it should be useful. <laughs> Help you figure out what you have to do for your literature review, for your your proposal and your defense or your uh, comprehensive exam. Someone asked if your PhD is available. Uh, it's not done yet. I'm hoping to graduate uh, next fall, but uh, it uh, it is currently not 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 completed. I have a lot more statistics to do. You gave a great presentation last year on um, uh, some side-by-sides between the, the regular water and um, aquaponic nutrients and supersoil. Is there any other interesting things you've learned in the last year aside from the, the presentation that you showed us here that you're, you're able to talk about? Um, one thing I did, I did a, a deep dive on our, uh, on our microbial results. And I think somebody else mentioned that you had, you had said this before, but um, our microbial it side by side cannabis and uh, that was watered aquaponically or that was was irrigated with municipal water the the aquaponics plants did better uh, they had lower numbers of, of just about everything now that wasn't a you know controlled replicates that's just an observational study but we we did it a couple times and and every time it was lower when you were using the aquaponics irrigation compared to to just straight municipal water. Um, so I think that that's an interesting thing. And if somebody's looking for a, a project and they, that would, I would love to see someone prove that out. Um, but uh, so that, that I think was, uh, was super interesting. Um, we're, we're looking at a whole bunch of, of R and D hopefully in the next year or two of, uh, you know, trying to commercialize this fish feed, uh, you know, get it to that commercial scale, see if it works for us uh, to improve some yields. Um, and we uh, are completely off commercial nutrients now. Um, we have our living soil and we have our aquaponics irrigation and we have the, uh, the nutrient supplement we make from uh, digesting the fish solids. And so we don't use any uh, commercial uh, fertilizers uh, anymore, which was really exciting. And that was from, uh, we got some support through an industrial research assistance program grant to, to figure that all out uh, and get it to the commercial scale. So that was really good. Uh, you know, very successful in the last year. And oh, the other, um, we have koi. If anybody in in Atlantic Canada would like to uh, to purchase some koi, we were very successful in our first breeding round and we have a bunch of them like several thousand. So if uh, <laughs> if anybody needs some koi, uh, they're very cute. They've been hand raised. They'll eat right, they'll take the pellets right out of your fingers. Um, and uh, we got some butterfly koi. We have some some koi with regular fins and um, they, uh, they're right cute. I'm very fond of them. So if, uh, if anybody's looking for, for koi in Atlantic Canada, we can probably deliver. Um, but uh, in terms of, of looking forward, um, you know, I'd really like to get, uh, get into some more research on the, the, the driving forces behind, you know, why is the, you know, the terpenes are higher, the cannabinoids are higher, what is driving that, you know, try and, try and figure it out. Um, and uh, on working, always working on increasing yields and, and potencies and 
you know, maxing out the genetic potential of each different, each different cultivar. So hopefully I have some more, more neat stuff for you next year. Um, uh, I, I really like giving this, uh, coming to this conference and, and, and chatting here. So, um, hopefully I'll be able to, to do it next year as well. And if there's any more questions, feel free to contact me, or if you have any to ask, I can answer them now, but, uh, always happy to chat. Yeah, we had a question is um, uh, from chat. Uh, with all the flawed data entry, how do we discern what's important and practical? Um, I think that's kind of the the purpose of what you built, isn't it? Yeah. So it's it's hard to tell. It's basically you can look look at everything and try and find trends. If if you know, it's been the question has been asked five times, and five different people have come to a similar answer. Even if they weren't doing the best reporting, you can say you know it uh it it is fairly likely that those results are correct um i think moving towards you know uh more consistent guidelines and i'm working with the aquaponics association on this like recommended materials and method like this is how you set up a materials and methods section for an aquaponics article um that should having some some standardization in that should should help improve having all the data um, available so you can look, flag which articles are going to help you or help what, you know, your research or your commercial system. And then you can go and look at the articles more deeply because you don't want to just go off the spreadsheet. You should read the the source articles as well to get a full understanding of what they were doing and, and you know, the author's interpretations of the numbers that I put into the spreadsheets. Um, and that should help you, you know, get a better idea about what's useful, what's, what's the likely causes of things. Um, generally speaking, the, there are some, you know, meta-analyses that look at a whole bunch of, of data that come to the conclusion, like there was one recently about comparing aquaponics to hydroponics, and they came to the conclusion that it's uh, not a significant difference um, from all the articles they looked at that were comparing them side by side, that you know, some said it was better, some said it was worse, some said it was similar. Um, so those types of articles, uh, when they're doing the big data analysis, um, those can be really useful in figuring out, um, you know, the, the truth from, from multiple sources. I don't know if that answers the question at all, but I hope so. And one other question, uh, I guess, in, in closing here, uh, has you, have you done any research concerning microbial life and nutrient and fish growth? Uh, nothing on fish growth. It's the microbial, uh, the microbial life and plant growth is on my list. Um, of, I actually have the whole thing planned out. I just need the space uh, to, to run the trial. Um, but uh, in terms of, of fish growth, no, I haven't. I haven't looked at that directly. I know there's some some articles in the the wider aquaculture literature that look at that, but mostly they're focused on the microbiome in the gut of the fish and how that impacts uh, fish growth. And that that's a really interesting kind of emerging area of research in aquaculture. Um, but I'm sure that that copies over to aquaponics as well. The only person I know who's doing anything on the sequencing side of things is Matt Powers, who's our opening speaker tomorrow. He's doing soil stuff, but now he's doing some aquaponic sequencing and stuff as well from samples that we're, we're getting his way. So 
Um, he's the only person I know that, that's trying to map any of that that I'm aware of currently, at least. Yeah, there's there's a few articles in the the spreadsheet there that uh, that have looked at um, genetic mapping of you know aquaculture systems versus aquaponic systems and finding that the aquaponic systems are more diverse. Um, I believe is the general outcome from those. And uh, just looking, and there, you know, the the microbiomes change based where you are in the aquaponic system. So the the bugs on your media, in your media bed are going to be different than that than what's in your biofilter, than what's in your clarifier, than what's in your fish tank. There's a lot of overlap, but there are there are some differences as well based on where the samples were taken from. Um, but it's, that is one area of research I am very, very, uh, it hurts my brain. The 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 big math that comes with uh, with genetic markers and whatnot hurts my brain. So I'm not the best person to talk to about that. But it's it's super interesting, and there is that it is also something that people are are starting to look at seriously. We had one last question. Sorry, I was muted. Um, how do you people find you? Can you uh, give people your website and, uh, and contact info again? Yeah. Uh, so uh, online and social media at Aqualitasinc or the uh, Aqualitas.ca at ReefOrganic, ReefOrganic.com or at Current Cannabis, CurrentCannabis.ca. Uh, that's the... Uh, medical, recreational, and collaborative brands. Uh, if you have any questions about each of those, you can reach out. I'm generally not very active on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, but I am on LinkedIn um, every once in a while. So if you want to reach out to me directly, you can do it through there. And I think I had my email at the start of the presentation as well. Um, maybe? If you need our email too, you can always contact me and I can get you to you as well. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's my school email danielle.maitland.dell.ca oh yeah uh thanks for for listening and hopefully i didn't bore you all to death with spreadsheets oh, i really thanks appreciate for coming it no sorry yeah, I, always, I always look forward to your presentation each year thank you so much for coming well, I look forward to watching everybody else and I'll see you in an hour for the commercial panel. Wonderful. Thank you so much. No problem. Bye. Please support these companies. They took the time to educate us during this conference. If you're looking for more education on aquaponic cannabis, Please consider the Aquaponic Cannabis Masterclass at apmjclass.com, featuring over seven days of in-depth, hands-on educational content with Marty Waddell and Stephen Reisner as your guides through the Aquaponic Cannabis universe. We'll cover everything from construction of large commercial facilities, home size systems, backyard systems, nutrients, pest control, diseases, everything you can think of. And, uh, and so much more. So be sure to check that out at apmjclass.com. And if you're looking for aquaponic cannabis or living soil uh, pest control courses, please check out uh, thepestclass.com where we have a huge in-depth course on pest control, how to make your own um, bio controls, 
as well as in-depth guides and identification guides for a whole slew of different pests that you might encounter in your aquaponics garden. And it's not strictly just geared towards cannabis, uh, it's also geared towards vegetables as well. So be sure to check that out if it's something you think you might need to improve in your education.